Hello, Mima. Hello, Miss Drama. How are you today? I'm good. I'm really loving the like casual cap today. You are? Well, it's yeah. much easier casual cap than to see what's really under there. And I wear hats all the time. So people always say, my goodness, you don't have a hat on. What's wrong? Well, yeah, it's because I felt like doing my hair. So it's a good excuse. Yeah. And you have a little bejeweled. I have a little bejeweled. I feel like we're kind of matching today. Like we're, we're vibing. Yeah. Well, today I have on the coral, the beautiful. Coral I know. It's so I'm, beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to start? You want me to start my icebreaker I'll first? Do it. I'll do it. I thought, you know, everybody needs a little bit of comfort today. And yeah. um, the best way to have comfort in my mind, because I was brought up that way, is with food. So you're stranded on a desert island. What one thing could you eat every day? Well, I know your answer, Mima. You do? Chocolate. Uh, actually, I'm going to surprise you. Okay. I'm on a desert uh, island. What one thing could I eat every day? My answer is tuna fish. That's my... I wouldn't have gotten that, that in a million years. Go to... Forever and ever and ever and ever. Okay. A package, a can, crackers, tomatoes, a pickle. I'm good. I could do it every day. Oh my gosh. I, I think something that I could do every day, if I was on a deserted island and I could only eat one thing, it would, I don't know, it's string cheese, probably. No matter what mood I'm in or what I'm craving or what I'm not craving, I will eat string cheese and like an, an exuberant amount of string cheese. So I would probably say string cheese. The whole, that's, that's it? Yeah. Well, also you say you could only eat one thing, one thing. and to make it's like every the day. pickles. And the, yeah. But how are you having all the pickles and stuff that go with your tuna fish well, if you can only have one I thing? I would have to have all of that there. I need a vegetable, which is the tomatoes. And of course, a pickle, something sour, and then the mayonnaise and, yeah. and the tuna fish and the crackers. But that if that was it and that's all I could have, I'd go for the tuna fish. Can I say tacos? Does sure. that count? Because I can, sure. okay, then I would eat tacos. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking like one item, like one food item. Yeah. Then I would eat tacos. Yeah. Every day. Well, if it makes you feel good, that's the important thing. <laughs> okay, so mine is kind of along the same line um, of like comfort, and I'm intrigued to know your answer of this. But what is your favorite scent? Oh, absolutely. I love tuberose. What is tuberose? It smells like the most delicate rose you've ever encountered. It's a very mild, fragrant rose. And I can only find it once a year. And when I do, I always buy them. They kind of look like gladiolas. But they okay. smell so delicate and fresh and woodsy. It's phenomenal. Interesting. Okay. And you. What do you think my favorite scent is, Mima? Your favorite scent. Mm-hmm. A new puppy. <laughs> I haven't had that scent in a very long time, but that is a good scent. Uh, I think that my favorite scent in the entire world is there's a smell when the lights start heating up on a stage and you can kind of smell um, it in the air, like the dust and the heat and everything like that on a theater stage. I think that's probably my favorite smell. (gasps) That's an exciting smell because you know what's about to come. Yeah. And it just reminds me of home. Yeah. And excitement and possibilities and 
I just, every time I smell that, I just feel energized. That's fabulous. Yeah. It's yeah. love. Mm-hmm. All right. You ready to jump into it? We have uh, like some hard hitting questions Oops. today. Uh oh. <laughs> All right. We'll start. Something that I'm interested in, mainly because of how long you and Papa have been together. And even <laughs> even throughout quarantine, you guys have still managed to keep this lighthearted love of one another, um, even with the bickering and the poking fun at things that you might not like about each other. Um, but I was I received this question and I asked for a little further explanation because I didn't fully understand where he was coming from. Um, So a guy named Jeremy, he's 32 and he's from Texas. He submitted this question and his question is essentially, what is the thing that the person did or does that caused you to keep working on your marriage? And do you have any tips to keep it going? And I was kind of taken aback by that question. And I was like, can you please kind of explain what you're talking about? And he says he feels that he sees marriages and they are in their seven, eight year and you get a divorce. You hit a lot of hard stuff. But once you get over the 20, 30 year mark, you very hardly see divorces in those times of marriage because you've worked through a lot of stuff together. And so he's wondering if he, what, was it that made you keep working at it with Papa? And do you have any advice on how he could work on it with his wife? Whoa, Jeremy really goes deep into a relationship between people. And I think Jeremy has hit on something that he really doesn't understand what he's asking in terms of Jeremy and his spouse have been married almost 10 years, you say. Mm -hmm. Now they're looking at each other in getting used to, getting accustomed to, accepting the way it is. And gee, I didn't know that person really did it this way, and I do it that way. I think we all get into a rut. Yeah. And you get accustomed to certain things. And it's almost as if that's the way it's supposed to be. But then you have to use the thing that's the most important. That's my clock going off telling me what time it is. <laughs> Do you hear it? <laughs> I was like, what is that? Yeah, this is a alarm bell going off in Jeremy's head. Favorite clock. We bought that when we first got married. Anyway, we get into a rut. Everybody does, whether it happens in a, a relationship where you're dating someone or a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, you get accustomed to certain things. And it's only inside of you that you say, gee, I don't know if I like the way he does that. People don't really change unless they want to. I'm not going to try to change him. I may not like what's going on, but we're going to have to talk about it. And what I'm, what I've been given is a voice that says, I'm not willing to accept that. And so if I'm not willing to accept that behavior, then what can I do to make it better? Mm -hmm. And if Papa says, 
well, that's just the way I am, then I'll say, you know that that is going to upset me when you do that. So let's laugh at it instead of having a few words about it. So we laugh at our mistakes, not criticize them. I think that's probably the best way I can answer that. A relationship is continual every single day because outside influences come into it. And in today's world, right now, we're into six months of day in, day out, Papa and me. And we understand each other because we put the foot forward to make that happen. There has never been a time when I have been so upset that I wanted to throw the towel. Yeah, we've had words. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've had lots of words. And we have lots of words around the Sunday table. We We do. Yeah, we do. And we look at each other like, seriously, you know, I've got to look. And that look means don't go any further because that's it. I'm up to here. And that's me. So he's gotten used to me. I've gotten used to him. But we do have to work at it constantly. So I think Jeremy's on the right track. But there's lots more to look at in a relationship than the very thing that happened at that moment. Yeah. I have found that over the years, I'm best to step back and feel that I need to review what I'm going to say because I have felt that I answer better when I think about something when I'm upset. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's what you call feel, felt, found. I use feel, felt, found. Right. You have to okay. use those three words. I feel, I felt, I found. <clears throat> in whatever order. And when you explain something to somebody, I feel this way about something because I've felt this way and I have found out that this is how I react. So when you feel, you felt and you found, it normally comes out okay. Doesn't mean I still don't get irritated, but that's it. So what am I going to do? Yeah. I love him. And I love him too. Perfect. I love He's not. Me, I am. So what can I tell you? And there's a perfect match. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Good question. We did have a, a couple questions submitted um, by someone that you know as Miss Pickles. Okay. I I know her as my mom. Okay. Uh, and I'm excited to know your advice on these things. Um, when you got married, how important was it to keep up date night? I can't tell if you're frozen or you're just processed. No, I, I, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. <laughs> We've never not been on a date. We're always on a date. So date night could be once a week in today's world because we're all stressed out. Date night could be let's just make toast. Can you explain to the no. listeners what that means? No. <laughs> no, no. Toast is not going to explain right now. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I can. Yeah, I can. Yeah. Toast can be just a big hug and a squeeze and a, a lay kepi. And kepi in Yiddish is, is your head on the pillow. Lay kepi on the pillow and just hug and squeeze and say goodnight. Or the bada bing. <laughs> I think that's the best description of making toast to me, Mom. Yeah. So, I, I you know... I think in today's world, with the way that people have changed, date night 
might be an appropriate thing to do, to take mm-hmm. time away from your house or even today in go just go into the backyard. You have to make it appropriate for what, what today is. Go into the backyard. Just sit there on the chair, have a little beverage, and just chat. Or today, go to a drive-in movie, which is the new thing. Um, And I think in today's relationships, I see people, and I I, I know it comes from pickles, and I know the CEO. So I think it's important for the two of them and for everybody to take a couple of hours, if possible, away from any kind of work, any kind of social media, which is a whole nother topic. Yes. That this little thing, where is it? This just the fact you can't find your phone is crazy. I mean, get away from it and get away <laughs> from everything and have a time with the person that's the most important to you in your whole life, which is the person you will spend the rest of your life with. And it's very difficult for you at your age to look at a relationship. It is. It's hard for me to say, I want this person to be my husband, my friend, the father of my children, the grandfather of my grandchildren. I want to spend the rest of my life with him. I want to fix him tapioca pudding when he wants it. I want him to have lots of soup when he wants it. I want to comfort him. I want to help him. I want him to love me and hold me. I didn't think about those things. I think a relationship today is 25% luck of the draw Mm. and 75% calculated. What do you mean by that? I know what I want. I know what I'm looking for, and I'm going to try to find it. I want someone that's independent, that knows that I'm independent. I want someone that can ask me out on a date, can pull my chair out for me. Hold the door open. Hold the car door open for me because I'm a lady and I deserve it. Yeah. Ta-da. Okay. Uh, She also asked a question um, that, I don't know if it necessarily is just for the proponents of a relationship. I think that you do this just knowing you as the meemaw. You do this throughout your whole life with any kind of relationship you have. And so advice on how do you ask for what you want without being demanding? My mom said bitchy, but I I said demanding without being um, aggressive, demanding, um, kind of standoffish, if you will. So how do you demand what you want without the, those attributes being attached to it? Ooh, well, Miss Pickles, that's a tough question. Depends on what you're yeah. asking for. Depends on who you're asking. Every event has its own category. Hmm. I've often read that the best way to Get what you want is to make sure it's somebody else's idea. I have heard this. Yes. And all of the motivational books say that. But how do you actually do it? If that's a tough one to answer. And, and, you know, the hardest part about asking questions like this is we always think of something else that you should have said. I should have said 
later after I've thought about it a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, that's human nature. You want to think about something and then you think, Oh, I should have said that. I definitely should have said that. I think without, I try never to use words that are offensive unless it's the pandemic. And I, I will have to say, Mima does not. I've no, used words I've not used the word before in my life. So, uh, mm, I try never to use words that are offensive. I try never to use words that are disrespectful. Mm. I try never to put someone in a position of feeling degraded. And if it's a business situation, the conversation may go something like this. As I understand it, you're wanting to take extra time off. Tell me about that. How can I help you do that? Mm. The one thing that I do know in asking someone to do something is to ask them how I can help them do it. Mm. Nobody's going to turn you down. If you ask for help in a personal relationship with children, this is my house, my rules. When you have your house, you pay your rent, you pay for your own toilet paper, your own toothbrush, and your own tennis shoes. Then you will. Mima calls them the T's. The yes. T's. Then you can do what you want. But my rules, my kids, Sorry, this is the way it's going to be. When our kids were little, we had a contract with our children. And I, I didn't still know have the CEO's contract. Oh, my gosh. How old was he when you guys made this? Uh, eight, eight or nine. Yeah. And it listed, this is what I want you to do. You need to clean your, not me. Your father and I wanted you to clean your room. That's worth a quarter. You weren't just given a $2 a week allowance. It was not just handed to you. You had to do this. And then to pick up the backyard, to pick up all the dog roses, we called the dog poop roses. So you had to pick up the roses in the backyard. That was worth 50 cents. This was make your bed was worth a quarter. Put your clothes in the dirty clothes was worth 15 cents. Um, your night to do the dishes was worth this amount. Everything had a value. That was his contract. Our contract was the same thing. So we had a contract and he had a contract and the kids had to sign. And if you did those things during the week, you got your $2. If you didn't, you may have made $1.75. So it was up to you and yeah. way up to you. That was your money. But it was not just, and that's the way we asked our children to do it. And we also gave a choice. I find that asking someone to do something is not just one thing. Would you prefer blue nail polish or would you prefer red? You chose blue. Would you like to wear this T-shirt or that T-shirt to school? Not put this on. Yeah. Would you prefer to have ice cream for dessert after you eat your dinner or would you prefer to have cake? After you reach it. So always give somebody a choice. And I think the best advice I can give is to give a choice when you ask somebody to do something. Do you mm. prefer to do this or this, knowing that you're willing to accept 
either one of those choices. Yeah. I will say my mom raised me very similar of, she would say, would you like um, water, milk or water? Like when we were very, very little. And um, one of her favorite stories of me growing up, and I feel that Jeff was probably the same way. And any, a lot of kids, I feel like it develops independence in you and it develops structure and you are still treated like an adult, but you are still corralled as a child. And I I do really think that it allows children to grow. But my mom would say, would you like milk or water with dinner? We couldn't have juice. We couldn't have any other stuff. And so when I was interviewing for my private school, there's a little tea set and I was two and a half, three years old. And there's a little tea set and the headmaster said, um, Oh, Chrissy, like, let's play. Like they wanted to get an acknowledgement of like what my personality was like, what I would be like playing with other kids. And, um, I said, would you like tea or water? And she was like, Oh, you know, I'd really love some coffee, please. And I, apparently I looked at the tea set and I looked at her and I said, um, would you like tea or water? Because that's what my mom would do. She would repeat the same question to you. And uh, the headmaster goes, I, I, I would still really like some coffee. And I kind of just took a, a minute and I said, well, I only have tea or water, so I can't help you. And that was what got me into private school. And she wrote my mom a personal letter. And she was like, anyone who is as independent and like strong-willed as Krizny needs to be a part of our school. But I think that that adds resilience and also independence and understanding of of your boundaries and where you are. Well, it does. And, and that shows some confidence in you, in your ability to follow instructions. And in today's world, um, you know, a lot of our adult children have been forced to come home because of the pandemic and not be able to pursue their dreams. So it's Hello. more important for these adults to respect the fact that they are in their parents' home, it is their home, their rules, and you must honor that. You may not like it because you say, hey, I'm an adult. Don't mess with me. I'm over the age of 21, so I'm a, a freaking adult, and that's the way it's going to go. Sorry, bucko. You're in my house, and I want you in my house because I want you safe. So let's work together on this. The other part of that was, um, and that did happen <clears throat> at one point many years ago when all three of our kids had to come home for a little while. And so they were given a room to sleep in, and that was their room. They were responsible for their laundry, mm -hmm. their clean clothes, and their door was closed. The rest of the home was living for the entire family. And when you came to the dinner table, you were as clean as we were, as dressed as we were, and as helpful and happy and content as we were, because this was the family area. So I don't care what you do when you're away from my house, but when you're in my house, it's my house. So when you leave my house, you have to let me know you got home. That's the mama. That's the papa. When you're in my house, you can close your door and what you do behind that door is your business as far as I'm concerned. But when you come into the common area, I expect you to look like a guest, like the rest of us. That's just me and Papa. 
All right. Our last question for this episode um, was submitted um, by a gentleman named Jake, also from Texas. And he was asking, is there a time that you've lived through in your life that our generation could learn from? Absolutely. Absolutely. This would have been in the late 60s. Okay. I was out of college. I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, and I was getting ready to pursue my dream of radio, TV, and film. I was a professional model, and so I worked at the John Robert Powers Finishing School teaching modeling and finishing um, to not only teenagers who wanted to be models, because I was in my 20s, uh, but to women that lacked self-confidence and awareness and wanted finishing and learning how to set a table and be confident in social situations. And I loved doing that kind of thing. So I had quite a few interviews and I interviewed with television stations and radio stations and did lots of voiceovers for commercials. And I prepared to be a weather girl in Atlanta, Georgia in the 60s. And I got a call back and interviewed with this person and that person and kept going up the ladder. I was getting more and more excited. And then I was called in to a rather large office and we're talking the 60s. So it was 50 years ago. Yeah. And there's this room filled with all of these ladies at typewriters, just typing away on manual typewriters, a man. And now they're all typing. And, and I walk in and I had on a beautiful A line skirt and a button um, jacket with tuxedo collar and gold buttons. And it was a bright melon mm. color with a big, beautiful hat on. And I sat there with my little briefcase. And we carried briefcases in the 60s. <clears throat> and the executive of the television station said, we're very impressed with your video. We're very impressed with you. We'd like to offer you the position. I could not have been more excited. I would have sold my soul to get that position until he said, there are three strings attached. I thought, I guessed, and I thought to myself, and this all happened within a second, be very careful what you do next. And my comment was, three strings? Who are they attached to? And his answer was the top three executives of this station. Poof. There went my dream. I took a deep breath. I stood up. He stood up, put my hands on his desk, and I leaned over and I got this close to his face. And at that time, there was a song that was very popular. And the song was, you got the right string, baby, but the wrong yo-yo. And I said that to that man, and he jerked back. I grabbed my briefcase, and when I left his office, it was a wooden door, and half the door was glass from the 
doorknob up was total glass. When I closed that door, I didn't close it. I knew that I was committing professional suicide and that I could not pursue my dream at that time because my soul did not mean giving up my right to say no. And I slammed that door so hard that the glass came crumbling down. And the minute that door slammed, I marched out of that office to a standing round of applause from about 20 secretaries sitting there. I made the decision that day that I am who I am and I will take nothing for second best. And I will not give up who I am. And I'm very proud of that decision. Doesn't mean I still want to be on TV or radio, film, but there's another avenue and I'm just fine. So I think. Well, we're getting you there. Yeah. YouTube podcasts. It's basically the same thing. We're going round and round, but that's something that's very important that happened 50 years ago. That's happening today. And I'm thanking him for asking that question so I could share that. And I'm happy it happened because I had a great career. You did. Mm. I hate that that's the last question we have for this episode, for that to be the note to leave on. So do you have any advice for this week, Mima? Any Mima-isms to, to part with? Yeah, I do. Let's part with the way we started. And this is it. Okay. If you're uneasy or you're uncomfortable, sit down, have a little comfort food. Come over to my place. I'll make you a cup of tea, a cookie. We'll have a sandwich, something to eat. Just relax, enjoy, have a little something to eat. You'll feel better. If not, I'll feel better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Mima. I'll be over shortly. We'll social distance and I'll have some cookies with you. Sure. I'll pop the bubbly in a second. Well, I love you. I love Thank you, you for being so open and the incredible advice. I know it's going to affect and touch a lot of people. I so hope it does. I love you, Mima. I love you too.